Hey everyone, welcome to episode 24 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Rin Jackson. This week we're talking to Kevin Rose. He worked at Google Ventures and Google Plus, and now he started North with Mark Hemian and Caleb Davenport, who we've already heard on here. Kevin's a prolific product person, and it was really awesome to chat with him in this episode. It was super fun. Uh, if you enjoy it, definitely hit us up. We're on Twitter, at Design Details FM. He's kind of a pro podcaster. He's, we lucked out there. He was very comfortable in front He's done of a few. We'll say that. If this is your first time listening to the show... Uh, or your 30th. Or your 30th. Just kidding, there's only 24. You'd be a, one of our biggest fans if you've listened to 30 episodes. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. So what that does is it lets you automatically get new episodes in your stream whenever we come out with a, a new show. Saves you time, saves you searching. You don't have to remember to go to the website. Super easy. And we have a ton of really awesome episodes coming right up. And this is just one of them. Yep. So subscribe on iTunes. If you search for design details on your computer or on your phone, uh, we'll be in the iTunes store under podcasts. Before we get into this episode, wanted to, of course, thank our longtime sponsors and Copen Homies Icon Finder. They are the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. You can find icons there. You can find they find them icons for you. There. They're, they're the icon finder. They're the best service. You go on there, you need an icon for a mobile project, a web project, uh, Apple Watch app that you're building now. Uh, they have the perfect icon for it in any style, whether it's an outline, whether it's a glyph. Um, it's going to come in SVG, PNG, any file format. So it's going to work in any application you might be designing in. It's the ultimate resource for designers to the get quality icons. just keeps getting better the quality is insane and it's because they're actually paying designers to create really beautiful icons yep they have this service no called icon finder pro it's nine dollars a month nine dollars a month it's a monthly subscription you get access to all these icons and 70 percent of that goes back to the original designer of the icons it's an amazing service if you sign up today for icon finder pro use the promo code robot and you'll save 50% off your first month of the service. That uh, also applies to Icon Finder Unlimited, which is like 20, 29 bucks, something yep. like that. So just use the promo code ROBOT. It tells them that we sent you there. It shows uh, Icon Finder that you listen to design details and that you are supporting the design community. So check them out. They're iconfinder.com and use the promo code ROBOT. Our second sponsor is Code School. They're an online learning destination. You can go there and learn code <laughs> it's a school for code. I think I think is where they're going with that. It's a clever name. I'm telling clever. you. Clever, very clear. So you can go there and learn from their like main paths, which are JavaScript, HTML, CSS, Ruby, Git, uh, iOS. These are things that are really important for designers to know or developers. Really, I mean, we we're, we like that. There's a lot of developers that actually listen, especially front end developers, especially developers of these types, especially people who want to get into these fields who are like perfect like this is the right place to go and check that stuff out yeah if you're a designer and you're intimidated or nervous about trying to learn to code code school makes it so freaking easy to learn it's entertaining like it's actually funny and it's like they have all these good videos and everything that it's not just like a cheesy like learning site it's something where and it's not dry it's not textbook it's something that will actually be meaningful to you and you can learn uh, in a variety of ways because they're, they're all about opening up that information to you instead of just like spewing it at you. So they've just they've just released uh, Unmasking HTML Emails. One of the hardest, weirdest, simplest things. It, <laughs> it's really simple Making emails when you know hard. the rules. <laughs> it's really simple when you know the rules. It's really hard to learn all the rules. There are a ton of them. 
they've done this really cool thing where it's a luchador themed course because <laughs> you're wrestling with it <laughs> it's it's wonderful um uh, it's it's so good they've got this great video that they sent to us we'll put that in the show notes go check that out because it's it's worth seeing they've got so many code puns in this little wrestling video it's so good basically html emails are really really difficult to do every email client handles them differently every email has to be done with inline styles and tables and you have to repeat yourself over and over and over just knowing where you actually have to make these changes between your web code and these emails is really hard in and of itself so go check this out it's really really helpful i've had to work through html emails a million times i would love to not have to do that these guys are clearly like fixing that problem it's awesome great team great product thank you once again to code school check that out at codeschool.com and with that let's get into episode 24 with kevin rose what are you working on oh okay so i'm working on a bunch of stuff um one thing that I don't know that we can talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, so we, we launched this app. We, uh, let me let me start. We the asked game. you about this in advance, man. <laughs> I know, I know. But you said, is there anything you don't want to talk about? I thought you meant like, you know, issues around like, you know, sexual orientation of certain people or How's your I, marital I don't know relationship like, what, what right you now? meant by that. Got it. Um, Should have been more specific. Uh, so working on stuff, uh, North uh, is my little incubator that I started with Caleb and a handful of other people. Caleb's um, I hanging out in the background. sitting in the background. Caleb Davenport. Um, so we started this little company and we wanted to build a bunch of different stuff. Um, Watchfill is the one that has been, has actually shot, kind of shocked us and surprised us and that, um, it's been growing quite a bit. Um, you know, we do, uh, we had a record last month and did 400,000 articles read in three days. Whoa. Um, we did over a million user sessions last month. Um, which so it's is like kind big of, for watches then. It's like what? It's like dig for watches. It's uh, just like taking off. Not exactly the same, <laughs> but uh, it is. It is like all of the best watch news. Um, and initially, you know, you kind of think, well, it's boring, blah blah blah. But um, there is a huge base of people out there that love real mechanical watches, not smart watches, not apps for watches, like old school mechanical like wrist watches, and. Um, I started getting into it after my father passed away. He left me a couple timepieces. Um, I wore them from time to time. Thought it was kind of cool to kind of, you know, pay homage to my dad by wearing his timepiece. And then uh, started reading about the different brands and got a chance to tour one of the awesome factories. And so we built this app saying, is there anyone else there out, out, anyone else out there that would actually find this useful? And it turns out there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So we launched it. We launched a new version of it, which allows you to sort by, uh, and filter content by source, by popularity, by suggested. Um, so we've kind of just been slowly making that app better over time. Um, and so we've got, uh, I think once we hit a certain critical mass of users on the app, that's when it gets really interesting. Like initially for us, we want to make it a very one way application, meaning like you log in, there's no user accounts. There's nothing like social about it. It's about just reading articles and bouncing and that's it. Um, now that we are actually are starting to climb in numbers, um, we can get really interesting when it comes to actually making things social. People can comment eventually on articles. They'll be able to hopefully one day share photos of watches that like with each other, show off what they're collecting, things of that nature. But that's uh, that's a ways out. We didn't want to launch and just have it be crickets on on day one. So, so that was intentional to do no social stuff at the very. Yeah, beginning. absolutely. I mean, we just want to see if there was a market there. You know, it's like why build everything and. 
build the kitchen sink when you just don't even know if there's going to be any traction to begin with. So for kind of our MVP, we wanted to get just like a really beautiful application. And the, the reason why this was built, to, to be honest, is that a lot of these blogs are, you know, uh, eight, 10 years old on online and they're like using like WordPress 1.2 or something. And it's like, there's, there's no, <laughs> Still there's no on. responsive design. There's like, you're like, I'm literally, I was like panning and zooming with like my pinching with my fingers to try and read these articles. <laughs> I was like, God, if I'm the only one that uses this app, this will be like, I don't care. I'm going to build this. So that's why we went off and, and built it. North, you're also the ethos was kind of to try lots of different yeah. things, right? So we started with Tiny. Yep. And so we tried Tiny. Um, Which was huge, a blast. Insane launch. I mean, I'd never had that many people sign up for anything I'd ever built in the first couple of days. And Tiny was massive. It was like this big roller coaster, just like had this huge spike and then no one used it. So it was, it was you know, to our investors, we told them, listen, we're going to go try crazy ideas. And then if they don't work, we'll just uh, aggressively kill them and move on to the next thing. Um, we prototyped a couple couple other little things uh, internally. Um, never got them too far, but uh, far enough to where we were like, ah, does this feel right? And then we didn't like the direction they were going. And so we'd kind of just um, push them off to the side and either pick them back up someday or or just not do them at all. So um, that's kind of our, our motto has been to, you know, try little things, spin it up, do it as, as bare bones as possible. And then, um, you know, if, if we really like it, launch it. And is the goal to find a hit or to build up a library of apps? No, definitely one hit. One like, hit. Okay. I, I feel that I've made this mistake in the past and spreading myself too thin and working on too many things at once. And it's just, you never give that one project enough time, effort. You give it a much better chance to succeed if you have all of your energy dedicated on that one thing. There's certain shops that do well, but they build out dedicated teams for each project, like a beta work or something like that. But, you know, for me, I have to stay focused. I have too much ADD to kind of begin with and I don't need even more distraction. So uh, one app at a time. Well, you tried something similar with Milk, right? That's right. Kind of along the same lines? We did. It was a lot more difficult back then in that... um, you know, it was just, it took longer to do things. Like there was no Heroku really, or if it was just getting started or something. And we, okay. so we were building out and spinning up all of our own servers on AWS. And it was, um, you know, there was no Swift and there was just a bunch of stuff that didn't exist that just made it, the cycle uh, of building an application was a lot longer. And we just um, raised a tiny bit of cash. We didn't really raise that much. So we built that kind of our first app, Oink, and then, we were thinking about other things, but then Google came around and just gave us an offer that we couldn't refuse. That's a good way to exit. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like unexpected and like really, I, I, we were kind of torn at first, but you know, it was, it was exciting to, I feel like everyone deserves a tour of duty at a big company like Google. Yeah. And, uh, you know, none of us had done anything like that. So it was, it was fun. So when you joined Google, you were originally part of the Google Plus team? That's right. And then you quickly moved to ventures, it sounded like. That's right. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Google Plus for me was, you know, it was a couple months there I, I spent at Plus and they put me in charge of all um, mobile apps. So tablet, uh, phone, both on Android and iOS. And then also they had this weird thing that was like, it was called like their tier three, like SMS based stuff. So they had very simple social networking um, abilities that you could do over SMS, like friending people and things like that for third world countries that didn't have smartphones yet. So I jumped in there and honestly, their their apps were just complete crap. I mean, it was just garbage. Um, and it was it was it was just that you know I don't know how to explain it other than just Google is just a 
engineering machine. They're a powerhouse. Yeah, like there is no one I would like throw them any technical challenge and they will like solve it. Like that's, that's like, we didn't have to worry about those issues, which was really uh, amazing. Like I remember when we, were, when we were having the discussion about backing up all of your photos to the cloud and having that all built into Android and built into Google plus where any time you took a photo, it would just automatically go up there and be stored. And so we kind of did some back of the napkin and then a little bit deeper dive on, okay, how many activated Android devices are there going to be? Which version of, of uh, Android would this be default baked into the OS? Um, and it's like, you know, the equivalent of adding like a new data center every three months or something. It was something just r ridiculous. <laughs> and like the engineers, I was so shocked because the engineers like around the table just didn't even flinch. They're like, yeah, we can do that. No problem. I'm just like, oh my God, I would have killed for this level of talent at any yeah, of my crazy. other startups, you know? But then when it came to design, I mean, I think that to be fair, that was the main reason they hired us. They just like, they knew that their product chops when it came to just um, building something that the consumers would be attracted to that's usable that isn't that isn't so hardcore utilitarian like Google is known for like they needed help there so you know I had Daniel Burka yep and so that was like a big a big selling point for them I got in there and like I kind of wanted to shake it up and that I was tired of um, the thing about Google Plus for me is I believe firmly that like there's no such thing as being is playing kind of catch up in the social networking world like I feel like they were just trying to do feature parody like copy the features of Facebook yeah. And just, but they were always a year behind. And so that was just so boring to me. Like if you sit there and you're, you're going to management and you're like, listen, like we're not just going to be another Facebook, but for Google, like why would anyone <laughs> use that? Like I just didn't yeah. see why that would be useful to anyone. Like you're not really pushing anything forward. You're just saying, oh, we're Google so we can do it too. You know, it didn't really bring any like account unification with it either, which was what seemed like the big selling point to me is like, okay, I can have all my Google accounts in one thing now and point at the profile. And now I have like 16 Google plus profiles. And it's like, all right, I just wanted an avatar for my Gmail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was so, there was a lot of debate there and I got in kind of, um, not hot and heavy, but we definitely discussed the fact that I would like to focus on features and products that were a little bit outside of what they wanted to build. And so it was clear I wasn't going to be able to do that there. And so I was like, well, I could either just leave or uh, I was talking to Google Ventures because they had invested in milk. Mm -hmm. So um, I got to know Bill Maris, who runs GV. And uh, he was like, well, hey, listen, like, the it sounds stupid to say like the googly thing to do <laughs> they, they always say this internally <laughs> I've, I've heard yeah is this googly or are they googly or something yeah it's like, that. like an internal thing that they talk about so but like the googly thing for, to do would be for for google plus to let you go and come over here if you really aren't enjoying what you're doing there okay. and so i was like well that would be amazing can we make that happen and bill worked his magic and i was able to leave and, and go join that team uh, Daniel Burka was pissed at me for a while. He literally threw a chair in a Google office, like because I was leaving. Well, Burka's at Google Ventures now too, right? Yeah, but I pulled him over. <laughs> You're like throwing the lifeline. I can't you. picture Burka yeah, totally. throwing anything. Like he, he's always like no, he's glasses so calm, and cardigan. He, he seems so nice. Like, I won't say throw, but he like hit it with his arm and it went flying and like fell over. And he was just like, that's the Burka version. He's of like, throw. he's like, what the fuck? Like he was pissed because he knew that where we had landed was not necessarily where we wanted to end up, and. and and uh, it's hard because when you, when a company's acquiring you, they they can't 
they typically won't share their product plans. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot of like, hey, th- what we're building is really cool. Wait until you get inside. You're going to love it, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I bought into some of that hype in coming in there. And there was some cool stuff they were doing. Like, honestly, I think that Hangouts, even though I can never figure out how to join one properly, like, I think it's a good product. <laughs> I think that keeping it separate is a, is a good thing and, and kind of splitting it out of, out of Google+. Plus. I think some of the auto magic, like photo enhancing stuff that they've done is pretty cool. It was just that stream and that social network and stuff that just really kind of bugged me because it was just yeah. not i don't know yeah i've had friends that work on hangouts and they just love it and some that work on the photo stuff over there and the automatic upload and the auto magic it seems awesome or auto awesome yeah that's what it's called yeah they, they love working on it it's just like the main google plus product apparently was yeah. like i'd say hangouts is like the one thing that we use i heard the rumors of yeah. the victator of the what the victator Vic gondotra yeah what about Vic? he's just working for him they, they referred to him as the victator oh why i never heard that you're gonna get someone fired no well, he's, they don't he's work not there that. anymore so yeah yeah that's who so that's basically who i worked for when i was out there that yeah. vic and, and bradley over there so vic was a cool guy in that he was um he was uh he was great at controlling the room he was great at pumping people up he seemed so enthusiastic about it even when people weren't like, yeah I that was really oh that's I a mean, very unique his energy level was always like a 10 and we just like come in and i don't know how he pulled it off because we get there really early and we had these early stand-ups and um he was just so pumped to be there and like so excited and i don't know it was just like so what we would do as product people is we'd go and we'd build and prototype and then come back and present to him once a week okay. um and then just kind of give him updates on what things were we were building and so that's when things got killed oftentimes is he'd be like hey i want to do this and it's like well why not do this? Facebook's doing this. We can do this too and do this a little bit better. And like, you know, it was just like, they wouldn't actually say Facebook cause they didn't like to do say that, like compare it to that. But it was like, I was like, there's another the big ass company already doing this. <laughs> like network. we all know that, you know, <laughs> shall not be named. Yeah, exactly. Facebook so. is one letter before us in the, in the dictionary. Can we start there? Yeah, exactly. So then you went to ventures right? and what were you, what was your role or just responsibility general partner so i was one of the i think there was like eight of us investing partners and so primarily looking for seed uh startups early stage um went out and did a bunch of deals um some of the ones that you probably heard of would be uh like next door uh medium um let's see there's there's a bunch of other really good companies no red ink is another great one um Gosh, there's like 15 of them, but they, a bunch of really kind of fun early stage uh, entrepreneurs like doing really awesome stuff. Did you do a lot of the design sprints and everything? Or was that mainly the design partner side? Yeah, that's, they, they started, that was more of the design partner side, but I would do those without the design team. Okay. So typically, you know, those, I didn't call, they weren't called design sprints. It was coffee with a founder. And okay. so, you know, a, a lot of my role as investor has been sitting down and just talking through product plans and ideas and even before they make it to design. So, you know, anyone that's, that's ever worked with me would, would say that like, Basically, what I like to do is just think of a crazy idea and then sit down and say, is this possible? How does it feel? What does the layout look like? And so, you know, I find myself in like OmniGraffle or Graph or however you want to say that app. I never know. It's OmniGraffle, like, yeah. yeah. 
is it graffle? Yeah, it's like yeah. graffle. I've I've used it for like ten years. I still can't pronounce it. Um, <laughs> so I, I find myself in that app, and I just go and I create wireframes, and I'm just like, okay, this is where the videos would go, and this is where the navigation would go, and these are think of the the key elements of this navigation, and then just like essentially um, taking that, working with the designer, and going back and forth. A lot of like with Daniel Burke and I, um, you know, I designed the first version of Dig, and I said, okay, there's gonna be a Dig it button here. This is where the number is gonna increment, and this is how it's gonna work and Daniel came back and was like well what if we draw more attention to the button make it bigger let's make it yellow and I'd be like that's awesome and so like I find that a good partnership with a great designer like for me in working with Daniel or Mark Hemian or these other folks it's always been like I feel like my ideas are always multiplied like by quite mm-hmm. a bit when you work with a good designer because yeah. it's like Daniel on his own or Mark on his own wouldn't have as good of ideas or direction and myself on my own wouldn't either. But when you combine forces, it just turns into something awesome. Yeah, I feel like good collaboration is definitely that way across the board. Yeah. It's, it's been surprising, but seeing Mark pump out work is insane. Like yeah, it blows my mind. So Daniel is like, it's funny because they're different designers in so many ways. Like, Daniel is the deep thinker. Like, so like you sit there and you, you go back and forth and you spar with Daniel a little bit. And then he comes back and he gives you like a design. He's like, this is beautiful. I love this. This is the way it should be. <laughs> and, then, and, then Mark, and then I'm just like, dude, like I fought with Daniel for so many years to make design flat. He was always making everything like with like, drop shadows and this was like 2004 and like i was like dude flat and then now that flat is cool i was just called him out on this the other night i'm like yeah look what's up now dude like flat <laughs> is all like the rage and so um but we go back for mark is like mark is like the iteration master where you'll yes. sit there and you'll be like oh my dude God. like i i don't i'm not feeling this like have we thought about this this and he's like oh yeah hold on and then like an hour goes by and all of a sudden boom there's like 30 different iterations of the same thing <laughs> And, you know, that's awesome because like I, they're both awesome, but in different ways. But it's, it's, it's fun to uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to be paired up with those guys because they're it's, it's hard to find good design talent. So how are you balancing time now between like advising founders while still doing north and product there? Well, I didn't want to abandon uh, my different portfolio companies, so I didn't, you know, okay. I'll always be have time for them. I'm not like actively adding on a bunch of new investments. Um, I would do it. I'm probably going to do it slowly, more opportunistic as I see really amazing things. You know, when I was at GV, your like full time job is just meeting That's with founders. Day. And I probably do one of those meetings every like two to three weeks now versus I was doing, you know, a couple a day. Um, so, but I still really enjoy the brainstorming sessions and the coffees and stuff like that to talk through product ideas. Seems like one of the big things happening now is like design has a seat at the table, right? Design is becoming such a big part of the process. Like, are you seeing that as well at at the companies you advise? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I would say that, you know, in my experience, there are, I don't know how you would break them up into different, uh, like how you would call these different designers or what you would call them. But in, in my experience, like there's there's the designer where you kind of can just tell them what you want designed and they come back and they kind of give you a mock-up based on entirely on what you gave them. And that is just like um, almost like a production designer, someone that just gives you exactly what you want. That person I don't think has, still has a seat at the table. It's, it's someone that's also has product skills at the same time. Cause that's, what's really valued, right? Having that yeah. rare mix of both product skills and design is so valuable. We've been having this conversation a lot lately. Like where is the boundary between product and design? When does a designer become someone that's a product person? And when is a product person doing design? Do you have any stance on that or 
Well, know where you fall on the line. Well, uh, certainly I am on the product side, a hundred percent. Um, I, I am just dangerous enough, dangerous enough in Photoshop to like piss people off. Like <laughs> I, I, I'll move things around and you know, I, but I'm just, I'm truly not a designer. Really? You don't think you're a designer? Well, I'm a designer in the sense that like I will lay out things and I will think about new ideas. You don't think like planning it is part of design. I've, that's how I feel is that it's definitely a part of the design process. Yeah. If you're like, but traditionally, it hasn't been. framing and problem solving. Traditionally, like, it's skinning. Well, even just saying, how does this feel? Somehow that yeah. feels like designed to me. But maybe I'm, I'm off the ball there. Yeah, it's, I, I think that uh, I, I consider myself someone that brings up the, the right cues or pushes the designer. I think maybe I'm more of a creative director than in that way. Okay. In that like, I'll push the designers, and sometimes I can't even put it into words, but a good designer will kind of get what I mean when I, when I start to push them in certain ways. I'll just be like, that doesn't feel right. And they'll be like, well, what do you mean? I'm just like, it doesn't feel right on the page. It needs to be like a little bit like something, da, 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 and you just <laughs> go down this little thing, and eventually they'll be like, oh, I kind of see what you're saying okay let me try it a couple other ways and then they're the ones that are kind of like giving that last little bit burst of creative juice to actually make it into the thing that it is but it's like i kind of see myself as someone that kind of like pulls all the little pieces together and and tries to lay out the vision and the and then more or less the what the product will feel like and and somewhat look like but not actually you know push pixels if that makes sense so i don't i don't know i'm I'm in a really weird place that's like You'd call that a designer, right? Like, absolutely. I think yeah. design is a lot of like, it ends up being a lot of thinking and planning. And uh, we just had Kenneth Bowles on. Um, I don't know if you know him. He worked at Twitter for a while. He's a senior design manager over in the UK. And he was saying that junior designers spend like 80% or 20% of the time creating and 80% of the time refining. And then senior ones spend 80% of the time. I'm getting it backwards. <laughs> I'm all over the place right now. But it ends up being the same thing as what he his conclusion was right yeah and i think a lot of the creating is done without putting any pixels on anything Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um 80 percent creating 20 percent refining for the junior designer and then the opposite for a senior designer there you go (laughs) so what are you really excited about right now in the startup space like what do you think are the products that are going to blow up in the next year or so yeah i think Play that, analysts for a minute <laughs> yeah certainly um you know ship uh is one and, and i'm just uh, to be fair i just recently um put a little bit of cash into them in their most recent round um ship obviously well for those that don't know they're outside the bay area you take a picture of an item any item you have at your house and magically in 15 minutes um someone knocks on your door they take the item away and they ship it one of the nightmares that we've all been through has been going to a shipping and packing place and having to wait in line forever and then paying, you know, crazy markups just for a little box and some peanuts. And, um, it just takes, you know, an hour out of your life. You just never know. It could be 15 minutes. It could be an hour and a half. You don't know how long you're going to be at the shipping place. Right. right? So this is like one of those pain points that they solved. You know, they didn't really know, uh, how many people would use their product initially. And so they built a Google form, and actually had just like a form that you would fill out and be like, come, this is where I'm shipping it to come. They did before they even built an app. Uh, and then they bought ads and to see if anyone would use it and if they would come back and use it oh, again. Wow, I didn't know they did that. Yeah, this is before they even built a product. 
And so, um, you know, I've, I'm a huge fan. It's, it's starting to scale now, you know, it's in New York and just recently opened up in LA part, at least a part of LA. Um, and it's just really fascinating to think about what they'll be able to do long term. but they've totally taken the pain out of it. They just recently added another feature I thought was pretty brilliant where, um, anytime you have an Amazon return, they just, um, you know, you can print out the label and then you say Amazon return and they just show up at your house. They take the label they put it in a box for you. They put the label on it for you, and they, you just pay for that. So you don't actually pay for the shipping at that point. You right. just pay for them picking it up, and it's like five bucks or something. And then the box stuff is all it costs. And they're working with a bunch of different um, providers out there. And hopefully, at some point, that'll be completely automated. So you can imagine a world where you know you log in, you're like, "Oh, I bought this at Best Buy online," and there's the Best Buy thing, and just boom, it just like generates the everything. And then you just hand them the the, the <laughs> generates item. the everything it generates the everything. <laughs> I mean, that's what we all one is that <laughs> ease of use is is watchville the th- like the thing you're really going to focus on or is something like that like um where it might be like on the scale of tens of millions of people mm-hmm. um i don't know what the watch community size is but like yes. is that an interesting area that you're you're wanting it to is, explore the it north? is certainly interesting and it's interesting because of a couple things one um there's zero uh, other technologists in the space. So it's, it's not very, you know, as you'd imagine, it's pretty old school. It's pretty old school. So like we up until recently were the only app out there that, I mean, all the others were just like kind of hobbyist it's creating pretty, apps. Like, classically driven, right? Like people want something that is like analog almost if they're, if they're dealing with their watches, which I think is really interesting, but yeah, obviously you've proven otherwise though. Yeah, I mean they they like uh they they like the news, they like the time setting tools, they like all this stuff, but the industry is massive. I mean, if you take a look at uh Richmond Group or LVMH or any of the big conglomerates that run the industry, I mean, uh Richmond did 2.3 billion in profit last year. Uh, luxury goods, it's just insane. So we know for a fact there's at least a couple billion in used watch sales every single year that happens. One of the big used watch sites out there that's pretty old school that really hasn't done much, Chrono24, uh, they'll do a little over 300 million euros this year in in, yeah. in transactions. Um, so it's an interesting space for us. Um, we know we're good at product and we know that we can build stuff that these people will use based on what we've built so far. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, there's a bunch of different areas where we can take this. And certainly commerce is interesting. At the high end, you have Sotheby's and Christie's doing uh, mm-hmm. do the two big auction houses. Um, eBay kind of does some of that in there as well. So um, it's a massive industry and one that no one's kind of paying attention to. And I like that. So we're going to continue to dabble in it and to see what we can do. I think we could build something pretty, pretty massive. Even if no one like the average consumer would never know our name, mm-hmm. that, that would be totally fine with us. It does feel like there's been a lot of attention on the watch industry, especially lately with things like the Apple watch. And sure. All certainly the with Google yeah. wear stuff. Like I've learned more about watches <laughs> yeah. recently. Once people started getting interested in right. it just for that reason than any other time in my life. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> many people knew what a chronograph was until yeah. like, the like Apple Nomos, watch Nomos like blew up. Like everyone's like, Oh, Nomos, they're beautiful. Yeah. I, mean, I have a Nomos on today. That's oh, what I'm wearing. Nice. Caleb doesn't. Yeah. I love, I love Nomos. <laughs> yeah. No, Caleb th- has a Nomos. They're just so clean and like, beautiful they're, they're not overcomplicated. it doesn't feel like so yeah when you when you actually go down and do the the tour at nomos and you go into this little tiny town of glashut in germany it's like you know there's like 
three, 500 people there, something like that. It's not many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you walk into this little manufacturer and you see these people like hand finishing every component that goes into the watch, doing everything by hand. I mean, like uh, the other big manufacturer in the same town is um, uh, Longa. And Longa does uh, everything from hand. They completely assemble the watch. They test it. They completely disassemble the same watch and they clean it off one last time. And then they completely reassemble it again before it ships out. The entire process takes about a year for a single timepiece. And it's just like, you see that attention to detail and that like the, the amount of effort that goes into this, you know, every time a, like a master watchmaker dies, like we lose like another piece of that. And so like, you're seeing a piece of history here that's still alive. Like, you know, that town could survive without the internet. You know, there's not many towns <laughs> that could do that anymore, right. you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I highly recommend you guys do it if you get a chance. I got to go to uh, Gerard Perigo. Oh, cool. In Switzerland. Awesome. That was like the most mind-boggling experience ever because it was maybe similar. Like they would have the watches where no metal would touch metal for like the entire process. Like they would file everything with balsa wood. And yeah. Just it's over the top. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's appreciated. It's really cool. Yeah, it's funny. They um, So Seiko, most of us know them as like electronics company or something like that. Well, they also make watches. And they have these Japanese, uh, as you guys probably know, they always take it to the extreme of mm-hmm. anything that typically they get involved in. And um, watches is no different. So Seiko watches, uh, one of the things they did is they were looking for the wood to do the finishing work, as you mentioned, like the kind of the balsa or whatever, do the really fine polishing that needs to be right. done on some of these, these pieces. And they found some in Switzerland outside of this really famous watchmaker, uh, um, Philippe Dufour, who um, is one of the, the most famous watchmakers. Anyway, long story short, he taught them how to do the finishing techniques. And so they brought some of this wood back to Japan just so they could finish these watches in the same way that he finishes their watches, which it takes them like a year just to finish them. And then they were a little bit upset because they had to rely on wood from Switzerland. So they spent three years looking for similar wood in oh Japan my God. <laughs> so that they could say they had fully vertically integrated made in Japan product. Uh-huh. And they finally found a tree that was good enough, that it was similar enough that they could use it for the finishing technique. It took them three <laughs> years to find this wood. And then they brought it back and that's what they use for these watches. And it's like that kind of story. You're just like, oh my God, some guy was out there like looking for <laughs> the wood. Surrounding through the forest. <laughs> I know, but like, I know it's not like, you know, we're supposed to be talking about product and design but i mean that is like that is like that's that's like the peak of that, it that's the peak the of it yeah. i mean it's crazy it's a beautiful art that's peak attention to detail nice <laughs> there's like the article today peak cars or something i don't know i didn't see that um i'm always curious so you've get to travel a lot outside of the u.s like I see all your instagrams from japan and stuff what uh in the design and product world are you bringing back from outside of the u.s and like what do you see the trends overseas? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I think that my last kind of year and change in travel has been spent mostly around watch related stuff and then also in, in Tokyo a bit. I just think that there's this, I don't know, this is for me personally. And, I, and granted, I'm getting older. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I feel that in, in my bones. <laughs> I'll like, always use the kid on the screensaver. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But sadly, uh, I'm, I'm like 38 and getting Jeez, older. man. 
I feel that it's not Just that kidding. old. It's not that old. But <laughs> I, I feel that one of the things that I, as as someone that's been so heavily involved in technology over the last, you know, since I moved out to San Francisco in 2000, um, one of the things I can appreciate now is like the kind of downtime and kind of not so much the fast moving tech world, but more on the kind of like craft and skill and like artisan side of things in products and things that I'm seeing built and, and more physical products, you know, getting into that and understanding that I think is, is really interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time at this one coffee shop, Hatao in, in, uh, Tokyo. And, uh, you walk in and this guy doesn't uh, speak any English at all. Uh, he only knows a couple words and, and you walk in and um, all you do is you sit down and he goes, no English. And you're like, okay, no English is fine. And you just say old beans. And he knows what old beans means. And what old beans means is that basically he takes these beans and he ferments them. And so they're really aged beans that get really super oily and kind of very pungent. And so he ages coffee beans like you would sauerkraut or any other fermented food, right? And, uh, or kombucha or anything else. And so he ages these and then he like hand grinds them and he does this pour over. And this pour over that he does literally takes him 20 minutes to do one cup of coffee. And so I'm sitting here watching this guy. He's in a full suit, like full tie, everything. And he cares so much about this one perfect cup of coffee that he's perfected and aged these beans. And it's just like a treat to just sit there and watch him. I hyperlapse it. It's on my Instagram. <laughs> it's so crazy because you can. He looks like he's going so slow, even in hyperlapse. And then you see someone like walk behind him, and it's like, it's like flying, <laughs> going by, and you're like, oh my god, he's going really slow. Um, but anyway, it's like this attention to detail and this just like appreciation for the craft that. I really like and I look for in things that I'm getting into these days, you know, like whether it be a watch or a pair of shoes or anything, I just like, I really am into people that have an obsession about one thing. I think that's why Tim Ferriss and I get along so well when we do our podcast. He's really obsessive about certain things and he goes all in when he gets excited about something, you know? And and that's something that I, I find myself doing over the last few years. It's just like finding these people that are super hyper obsessed about their craft, about their skill outside of technology and then just uh, getting to, to know them. Interesting, well, I don't know if I can talk about that stuff, but... Uh I can't talk. Man, about you're that. killing oh. me. <laughs> no, killing me. No, it's just it's. Uh, I don't know if I can mention all this stuff. Well, I can because he's been seen there. Uh, so, um, so some of the like I'll, I will say this: that Apple, in their process for designing this watch, I know that they spent a lot of time studying the history of watches, and that there's a lot of watch collectors there, and that their design team uh, spent a ton of time understanding. Uh, you know, the last couple hundred years of watchmaking. And as far as to actually talk to those people and get to know um, those folks and understand why certain things were important, why certain things were placed a certain way, like, you know, all the different uh, design elements of a watch, they researched. And it's funny because when I was at Google and I heard about some of the stuff going down, I know somebody else from Motorola that was on the 360 team. And I asked someone from the product side, I was like, you know, how much time did they spend going into and learning about, they call it horology, which is the study of, you know, timekeeping and, and watches. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Like, we just really? built the watch. It's like, a computer for your yeah, wrist. It's, it's computer, not a watch. It's a computer for your wrist. And it's just like, that's the difference between the two companies. You know, it's yeah. like they have, the Apple design team had this such 
they 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 wanted to. You'll see it in a lot of the stuff they do actually, and mm-hmm. some of the stuff they've created with the moon phase indicators and all this other stuff. It's like they're paying kind of like homage to it. They spent the time and, and hours necessary to understand um, what they're getting into, which is something that that Google just didn't do. One of the really goofy little things that I love is that on the uh, chronograph watch, you can't remove the uh, the timer or the stopwatch. It has to be there. That's the only one where they require something to stay there. It's just such a little detail. It's like, yeah, you have to have a chronic, like you have to have a whatever a stopwatch to, for it to be a chronograph. Right, exactly. Right? If you like, got rid of that, then there so is no chronograph. That'd be so easy to move. They, they could be like, oh, well, you can switch it to a timer or a world clock. Right, or right. No, it's just a stopwatch. Yeah, totally. It's it's that attention to detail. It's awesome. Yeah. Here's my question, which I don't really know where I stand, but like, at what point does the history of watchmaking and the history of watches like? I appreciate that they're paying an homage to to that craft, but at what point does the 21st century, like modern lifestyle, the needs of us living today sort of change what a watch might be? Like what features should be on it? Like when does that Like the face should just be Twitter instead. I mean, (laughs) when you say it like that, it's dumb, but like when, when does it make sense for it to not be time? An homage to the past, right? I mean, that's already that happened so many years ago, though, with quartz watches, right? Okay, like quartz was was the the whole thing that all of a sudden a watch can be more accurate than any mechanical watch, and it will yeah. cost one one hundredth of the price. So, you know, the mechanical watch has been quote unquote dead for a very long time. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's just okay. been. And, and now with the the Apple Watch syncing back to the time servers and everything else, it's even more accurate, you know, um, which is crazy in that they changed something. We, Caleb and I don't know what it is, but um, when we first had Watchville, we launched, we, we would sync to the atomic time servers. Some phones were off by like, what, four seconds or so? Yeah, three to four seconds, um, which no one would ever know, right? But then they did a new update to the OS, and now it's a lot more accurate. And so that little feature of ours just kind of went away. It's still there, but it, you know, there's not the drift that there used to be. When Kayla was on, he informed us that if you have a bunch of the Mickey Mouse faces in the same room, they will all tap their feet at the same exact time. Really? How did you know that? Apple Store. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think that like the... Certainly technology uh, is there's certain settings where it, it makes sense. Like for me, I, I don't want to come off on this, this podcast and anywhere as being like someone that's against technology all of a sudden. Like I have an Apple watch. I like uh, my wife is uh, wearing you really it now. Are getting old. You just hate technology. No, now. no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> so what I'm saying though is like for me, and this is just how I'm, I'm going to operate. Everyone's different. Like the Apple watch will probably be like my daily nine to five watch. It's great. It shows me what meetings are coming up, all the relevant information I need during the day but when i go out to dinner with my wife or for with anyone else it's about that time that connection with that person so it's not about me glancing at my wrist it's not about me getting text messages like i can have my phone in my pocket and if i really 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 need it it's there but it's about enjoying that time and i think that as we as our lives get more fragmented and i mean i'm sure that you guys have already seen this like you'll have like 12 browsers open and, and like uh browser tabs open and you'll go back to one of them and you're like oh there's an email i should have sent three hours ago and i didn't hit send because i got distracted and pulled into another tab <laughs> i did that yeah. this morning with only two tabs <laughs> you know what I'm tabs. that's pretty bad if it was only two tabs but you know what i'm talking about i just to do in the other tab it's, man it's getting worse and worse and it's like this is so you know that's um actually there's here's a really interesting like i don't know if it's interesting but i thought it was kind of cool 
there was a watch that was created many years ago, before, way before any of this digital watch stuff, and um, it was a mechanical watch, and it was meant that when you're going out to dinner, it was a men's watch, so I can say with your wife or whoever you're going out to dinner with that you cared about, uh, you could just hit a button, and it would jump the hands back to 12, both of them at 12. It was still running and keeping time, but it wasn't until you hit the button again that the hands would then jump back out like to the proper disengaged time. disengaged it so you we couldn't check the time? Disengage it so you oh, couldn't wow. check the time and you would spend the present moment with that person. How awesome is that? That's pretty Do sweet. Do you know the name of the watch? I feel like the out. watch is out. scolding yeah. you by default. No, I, I just, I just <laughs> love that idea that you're telling the other person, like, my time is so valuable that our time together is more valuable than, than me glancing at my watch or deciding when I'm going to leave or and whatever time else. time itself, The right? time itself, yeah. Wow. It's kind of cool. Oh, I love That's that. so romantic. It is. I thought it was kind of a cool little detail, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you've sort of gotten out of this, I don't know, rat race of technology and, well, you're still in it, but like you seem to have like a higher level perspective on sort of what's going on in San Francisco and Silicon Valley and like, sounds like, I don't know you obviously, but it sounds like you've sort of stepped away and you're like, you know, looking at well-crafted physical products and like maybe getting out of the ephemeral apps. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, when we did Tiny, we had a lot of fun building it and it was, it was like our, our last true big kind of like, we want to go mass market, want to go, you know, hit every consumer and just build one of those things. And we thought we had a pretty interesting little take and angle on the way that, uh, that, that content hadn't been shared before. Um, and that's kind of like, all you can really hope to do is build something like that. And you just don't know how the consumers are going to react against it, but it is a race. It's like, it's like this constant, like how can I flip something in a slightly different way or a slightly different angle to hopefully get consumers to use it. And like, we forget that how many, you know, secrets there are in the world that, I mean, secret was a whole nother beast, but you know what I mean? Like there's just like thousands of consumer apps that die every single day or don't even get a start because it's just, it's a very difficult space to, to kind of, to break into in any meaningful way, you know? And, and, and even then, you know, how long does that last? I mean, these are all waves. It's like, you know, whether it's MySpace or Facebook or anyone, it's like, you can only last for so long and then you have to completely reinvent yourself. Otherwise you're just that old person's product, which is what Facebook is to many kids today. You know, Microsoft is doing a good job of that right now. I'm really Except impressed for office. I, I just installed you office. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I literally installed office for the Mac today. It's office 2011. You have no idea how excited I was when 2011 first came out for the Mac because oh I was God. working in IT at that point as a Mac uh, person, I guess. Like I was Mac specialist or something like that. And it was an all office um, company. Everyone was on office all the time. And 2007 was the one before that. And it was just horrible. It was so bad. In 2011, <laughs> I, I'm like, I have news for you. It's on par with office. is horrible. <laughs> Dude, but, it was so good in 2010. They've since done what 365, and they did all the iPad stuff. But they're still shipping 2011. Yeah, 365, 365. is still 2011. Like when oh, you, really? yeah, I have a subscription that wasn't to 365. Like an no, 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 there was no oh, upgrade. Jesus. That's what I was hoping for. I paid the 699 cloud pricing, whatever today, and I got, I got 2011. But um, I agree with you though that Microsoft, for the first time, I'm just like, wow, Outlook for the iPhone. It's not just you know, a walled garden. They figured it out. The second person that has said Outlook for the iPhone is like, awesome. it's a compli. I mean, they they bought the company to fix it instead of trying Nothing to... wrong with that. Yeah, trying Nothing to be Microsoft is not the best way to do it all the time. I mean... <laughs> well, and just understanding that you can open things up. Like, yeah. they've been a closed company for so long. It's not in their DNA to yes. say, hey, guess what? By default, you can auth in with your Gmail account. Like, that mm-hmm. was like... Microsoft would never do that, you know, but they are now, now which yeah. is cool. 
I like to see that. I'm excited to see what they do with Sunrise, but I'm also apprehensive because I use Sunrise every day. I'm worried. Hopefully they keep it. Hopefully. So speaking of bringing back old things. Yes. The screensavers and Dignation. Yes. Like that was just announced in the past couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So the screensavers Leo was working on secretly and didn't really, we didn't really know he was going to re relaunch it, but it's, uh, it's that's awesome. What, that's what all the like news uh, sites were reporting was that he surprised you all with it but i was always wondering if that was like actually true or not no i mean he reached out to me and he was like i kevin i have a very special show we locked down these dates so you can be co-hosted with me and you know i was like okay like i don't care whatever leo does i want to be a part of he's always doing cool stuff and so um you know i had a feeling he was going to do something like that i didn't yeah. know it was going to be the screensavers but uh yeah it's pretty awesome it's good for him i think it's a it's a great you know leo kind of had the the tech uh talk show thing nailed yeah he's got like the top three spots in the tech podcast on lock we can only ever hit four yeah he's he's <laughs> he, he's a machine <laughs> we're he's, trying so hard That's he's crazy. a machine but he's gonna um so i'm excited for that and then dignation uh alex and i announced that we're gonna do a reunion show and we've announced it for a few years now but like we literally got together, shot promos. We have some ideas wow. of uh, when and where and all of that good stuff. So that's crazy. There'll be something uh, coming out uh, hopefully in the next like two, three weeks. Dude, how do you fit all this in? Like all the shows, Watchville, meeting with founders, spending time with people like us. Um, you know, honestly, <laughs> it, it, it comes down to really great hires. It's like at the end of the day, I don't have to, I feel like everyone on my team, no one has to be uh, babysat in any way. Like everyone just kind of like can just go run with, uh, with whatever they've been handed. And so, you know, um, on top of that, getting kind of getting back to the whole product thing, I think that's really important to, one, empower those people, and two, hopefully hire the right people in that they can make really smart decisions without you having to be there. Like I'm constantly impressed and pleasantly surprised when I come into the office and they're like, hey, we built this. We thought it would be best that it was built this way. And I look at everything and I'm like, damn, that's a great, you just did that the other day. Caleb just did something really cool the other day. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, damn, that was a really good call. Like that was the way I would have spec'd it out. How do you spot that in the hiring process? Uh, you know, honestly, just it's, no Caleb. It's uh, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's well. The cool thing that we did. Uh, Caleb, with, are you blushing back there? He's all he's all shy. <laughs> so the cool thing that we did uh, early on was um, I worked with a bunch of folks as the contractors first. And Caleb and I worked as contractors together. Oh yeah, and, Sam was there too. And Sam was there yeah. too. Sam Sophus. You know, it's I find that w- when you bring someone on as a contractor, you get a chance to just really get to know them, you know, and spend mm-hmm. some time with them and work through some product details with them and just see how that feels and whether or not there's a, there's a fit. And, you know, I, I've heard of companies doing these like, you know, side by side sessions where they bring in potential employees and they do this, they, you know, they make the, the people work for free. And yeah. I think that's kind of bullshit. Like, like quasi pair programming, yeah, but before pair they're actually but with designers and other thing yeah. and not paying for it, then maybe using some of their ideas and it's just, yep. it's just bad. So I'd rather actually bad feelings. Yeah. It's a, the, so I feel like when you work with someone as a contractor, there's no, really no bad feelings and then there's no guarantee that they're even going to join you. So you, yeah. after that, you have to try and convince them to leave their contracting gig, which oftentimes is very lucrative. And so it can be difficult, but you know, that's how I got Daniel Burka. Um, he uh, was at silver orange, a company that he co-founded up in Canada. He was in Toronto and I knew that he had designed the uh, Mozilla Firefox website and I thought it was awesome. And so I wanted to meet the guy that did that. And so I ended up 
chatting with him and figuring it out. Uh, I said, I, I was like, listen, I only have a budget of like $1,500. Can you do like a, the front page of dig mockup? You don't have to do any of the HTML or CSS. I'll do that all myself. Just like, just do the, the mockup for me. And so he was like, okay. And I got him, I talked to him into doing that. He did that. And then he thought it was pretty cool. And then the site started to grow. Eventually I flew out to Toronto and I was like, dude, you should join us. I'll try and work on getting you a visa. We'll get you a TN so you can come to the States. And then I flew him out to San Francisco, paid for him to come out. He saw there was lots of hipster girls on fixie bikes, <laughs> which, which he, which he likes. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, he, he, was, I was like, dude, the, the, the girls are here. If you like, like that style. And he's like, I, he was totally into it. He's like, oh yeah, dude, I'm moving out here for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, His wife's like a super talented painter too. Yeah. She's awesome. His wife's amazing. Sharon, she's, um, really, I actually just got a couple of paintings from her yesterday that why I was looking enough to purchase at one of her shows but um it was funny because well i don't want to get in their dating details but yeah. she, she was wearing a hoodie that that uh he was wearing a hoodie that she designed that's crazy like randomly like that's on one of their thing. dates like how crazy is that <laughs> like he wow. had bought a hoodie i mean i think that's just like the the sweetest story and it's pretty awesome that they were that matched but we'll, we'll have to have daniel on here to tell us about it you should you should daniel's That'd be fun. a good dude speaking of daniels uh danny trin yes he he joined Dig as well because yeah, he wanted to work yeah, with you guys. Danny's awesome. He's um he's on on Wednesday after you guys. Oh so, cool. Yeah yeah. Danny is like one of those guys that I consider him to be just such an awesome product guy. He's always been really smart when it comes to really big bold different ideas. Like and there's a lot of people out there that they go and they they say hey I'm gonna make you know a better to do list app or whatever and you're just like oh my god like another one of those and sometimes that can be really yeah. beautiful and awesome and you're like wow that was a really nice take but to find like the seed of an original new idea, like a completely new idea. It's 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 really really tough to do. He's working on some crazy stuff. He's working on I'm crazy so excited. stuff. Yeah, and and I like I like that about Danny's. He's always been one to kind of like not just do a me too app. It's mm-hmm. it's always his his ideas are sometimes like in the past I've always it, Daniel and I used to always try and kind of like rein Danny in a little bit because he was just like <laughs> I can totally see that he was, he'd just be like doing a thousand different things and we're like Danny you're doing ten things we want you to do three really well you know and so like trying to pull him in because like but I have no doubt that like whether it's this this next product he launches or a future one like he will hit on something and that will be massive someday he has um, so much energy it's a incredible ton of energy and and just like I'm I'm constantly impressed like I'll get a build of it like one of his apps and he'll have like just a little UI treatment that's just like a little flick or a little something that's a little bit different that I hadn't seen done before and I'm just like that was really clever I love that you know and I can appreciate that style of design more so than any you know UI lift or any type of like candy (laughs) on top of it there's a lot of really good designers out there that you look and, and they you know they go and they redesign an existing product out there and you're like wow I can really appreciate that skin but to like actually come up with something new and actually have like a new little take on something like that's a rare find especially if it's meaningful yeah like absolutely people do things just to make it jewelry but it's got to be a tool as well like it has to be something that will actually be helpful right Love exactly it. yeah so uh, he'll be a good person to have on the show. I'm hoping he's going to talk about his new thing because he was showing it to me over tacos and shots. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm so yeah. excited. It's really cool. How is like doing shows like this or not this? Uh, Dignation and, and all these. You've shows. been podcasting for forever. Yeah, and the random do. show has been on since what, like 2009? Uh, I don't know. Maybe something like that. <laughs> it's been a while. It's so like. It's yeah. The kids. It's just whenever you feel just, like it, right? Yeah, totally. That's why, awesome. Why does that like, why is this just. 
fun for you? Something you want to do occasionally? It well, it's fun for you guys because you're drinking beers. I'm I'm on a no beer <laughs> diet right now, but um, we should probably find like some butter and just melt it into a bottle. Yeah, I have my <laughs> power <laughs> coffee or <laughs> bulletproof coffee. Bulletproof, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, I I don't know I I just like uh, I, I like having fun and I, I think that uh, when when you get with other people and you do a podcast it's like especially if you can get someone to loosen up a little bit it can yeah. turn into a really fun conversation and I feel like this the more information that's out there the better that's why I try to do these foundation shows where I interview all these different yeah, guests yeah, yeah. it's like if I can get access to these people and talk them into doing you know a podcast and and talk about really kind of what, what I, what I try to do in that show is I wanted to make these people seem human because there's so many people out there that, that are involved in technology, whether they're kind of at a junior level or just getting into tech and they see someone like an Elon Musk or an Evan Williams or somebody like that. And they'll look and they'll be like, these people are untouchable. Like these are like almost too much putting them up on a, a pedestal too much and that they, they don't think that, well, there's even people like Sahil of India, they're like 20 and just killing it yeah, yeah it's insane the, that's the foundation i watched and i was just like holy shit this kid is yeah amazing oh my god yeah it's it's um but but i think that if if once you can kind of like break it down to where some of the questions i ask are kind of around their childhood and how mm-hmm. they got started and you see like oh like i did a lot of those things too like yeah. i'm just like this person in in some regard like why can't i try and attempt to do amazing things and so hopefully that's what comes through in some of the podcasts but they've been fun to do and i you know i just like creating media i've always had fun doing media and um it, it, when someone writes back to you and they say like this changed me in one way or another um i had some guy give me a hug a couple nights ago when i was doing a talk and he's like you're when i was on the screensaver it's like changes his complete career yep and he's wow. like he's like you totally like helped me get into this and he's like can i have a hug and i'm like sure like okay no i, I got into tech from watching you build hackintoshes and i almost got fired from tech for being on dig too much so awesome <laughs> both ends <laughs> love that <laughs> Yeah, we, we definitely, any good that I've done has been undone by all the dig stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I probably created so many like little mini alcoholics from watching Dignation. <laughs> so I apologize for that. No, it was incredible. Like, I mean, it's part of the reason we're doing this. It's like yeah. sort of the bigger idea is kind of to do the same thing. Like, how can we help people new to the design world or to the tech world? Like, yeah. One of the coolest things has been like, we get to talk to people that we never could have met had he sure. been still in Colorado and me in Minnesota. Like, right. I randomly met Sam and, and he randomly introduced me to Caleb and Caleb randomly introduced me to you. And it's been crazy. Yeah. It, it is weird when you're out here in the Valley and you realize like how approachable people are. Like, yeah. it's just like, it just takes one friend of another friend. And then all of a sudden a podcast is happening. It's, exactly. It's nuts. Yeah. Would you encourage anyone to come out here? Do you feel like it's at the point not where... Blindly. Oh, not blindly. Oh, God. Blind. Do you feel like it's <laughs> at the point where this can happen anywhere just by the power of the internet? Like, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that you have to be in the Bay Area. Certainly when it comes to funding, um, it's a lot easier. Uh, gosh, it's it's hard for me to want to really talk people into moving out here just because the cost of rent is so ridiculous and everything else is just surging. <laughs> It's insane. I remember when I got protested at my house by I like anti tech yeah. I love that so much. The way you handled it was so funny. The best part is like uh, there's you know well it's not the best part it was all horrible but when the pro- protesters <laughs> came out to the house like afterwards um, my wife and I were like sitting upstairs and we were like having dinner and we we're like gosh like we, maybe we should move our addresses on the internet. And I'm just like, yeah, we can't move. It's just so expensive to like buy a place out here. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're the ones getting protested. Yeah, I know. It's just like, God, this is so that's weird. Amazing. But 
yeah that was that was like right when i first moved out here and i was like terrified i'm like i'm moving out here for a tech job and these people hate me oh they're gonna come after like, you i was like what do i do but i'm then i realized oh shit i'm like the lowest <laughs> the low yeah see that's like that's the part of the reason why i'm glad i have tattoos like i always tell my wife like the backup plan is like if shit's going crazy and like other like trying to kill all the one percent and they're like hunting them down <laughs> worst case i just like rip off my shirt and i've got like all my tats and i'm like yeah fuck the one percent and they're, like, <laughs> like join up with the crowd and they're like yeah he's one of us <laughs> but uh, that's the backup plan and then all like the spectators on the side of me like who's that guy yeah exactly <laughs> we're all gonna be on like tattoos are a little I too nice like yeah. yeah exactly but have i seen him before wait what are your tattoos uh just a bunch of random stuff i've got like a tea master on one arm and a bunch of other kind of stuff all over the place some some of them are horrible did you get them young uh i got most of them when i was 18 yeah so um but you know never went back to it you got tats i got a couple i got these when i was 18 i'm gonna cover most of them yeah are you you pretty happy with them i'm gonna cover them so not (laughs) super gonna cover them yeah why because i want sleeves I've been designing well, sleeves why, for like three or four years. Why, why cover them? Why not just go around them? Yeah. It's hard. I'm kind of done. I've with done them. tattoo removal, by the way. It, Ooh, is, it hurts. I don't want to do that. This isn't even relevant to your podcast okay. anymore. Hey, <laughs> it's a thing. Let's Whatever. talk about tattoo design. Yeah. yeah. Do you do design for tats as well? I designed these when I was like 16 and I wanted them for like two years. And so I was like, okay, I wanted them for two years. I'll just get them. Hmm. They're not super exciting. No one can see this at all. But we can put <laughs> pictures of your arms on the show notes no <laughs> these are <laughs> that's the weirdest thing they're, they're really disappointing <laughs> oh i my my wife got into tattoos and really wanted one and so she made me go with her and get my first one and then i was addicted and now my wedding ring is a tattoo so whoa crazy convenient i hate wearing rings. how many do you have total eight wow that's a lot yeah it's a good amount yeah it's addicting it is i dig it but yeah We'll see. I've, I've been like searching for artists forever now and like trying to come up with good designs and it's been a whole thing. You're going to Russia to get... One of the artists I want tattoo. is in Russia and the other one is in Seattle. So, Seattle seems a lot more doable. Yeah, I'll start with Seattle. <laughs> Why do you go to Tokyo so much? What is it about? Ah, uh, Gosh, uh, I love everything about that country. I think that the, the people are super friendly and sweet, uh, really nice. It's ultra clean. Like there's not a piece of trash in yes. Tokyo. It's just like you could eat off the ground anywhere. I love, I just love everything about it. The Cherry Blossom Festival, I got engaged during Cherry Blossom season. Um, everyone just goes out in the parks and drinks and, and has fun. And it's karaoke is awesome. Like everything about that culture it's like they just take it to the next level. Daria's just launched her own thing too, right? Uh, yeah, she just launched uh, Food is Kitchen, which is a cooking course um, that teaches you how to cook in 30 days. Um, and it's just basically you get like one email per day and then you can log in and they walks you through what you, t- what you have to do to learn the basic skills. Uh, but her whole thing is that people just don't use uh they don't use recipes like recipes are they are evil they yeah. don't, really don't teach you how to cook they just yep. teach you how to have too much leftovers in your fridge and like go buy extra stuff when you already had it and you didn't know people when feel it, like shackled to them yeah they, they don't realize they it's do. basic chemistry right and exactly it, so, you so just have to figure out the quantities right or so like she, the ratios sorry yeah so she's a scientist so for her yes. it's all about the chemistry oh and so she's, like she's a, she like she'll like have scrambled eggs and you have like five chunks of different scrambled eggs they're all plain and then she's like okay i want you to cut an acid with this and like she te- teaches you how to like balance things out and how different herbs taste on their own and like if you add a little bit of this and a little less of that and so you 
get this like mental like roadmap in your head. So if you ever taste something that you make and you're like, oh, that doesn't taste right, but I don't know why. Like I think we've yeah. all had that. Then you know exactly what to add to, to fix it and make it taste awesome. So I'm pretty proud of her. She's done an awesome job. I'm a big it. fan of people who approach cooking as like a as a teaching opportunity because so many mm-hmm. people are just like, well, here's a default. I'll just give you a recipe, and that's not a solution. That's right. just emphasizing the problem. So right. Exactly. I'm also, the science of, cooking, of it so. too. Yeah. You you love the science and math of design and yes everything yeah and everything is science i mean it's really easy to love it <laughs> i mean nothing isn't bound by the laws of science so that's whatever um well we can probably wrap it up soon is there anything else you, uh you're super interested in right now or anything you want to plug about? yeah i mean I'll, I'll i'll rattle off since you asked me about what products i'm liking recently it might uh, do you want me to rattle off a few things that I, I really like yeah go at it so you know obviously uh I think that Slack has the ability to be much more. I think that, um, you know, as like a, a tool for us to get work done, it's a no brainer. I mean, we all use mm-hmm. it. We all pipe our stuff into it. Um, it's great for that. But I think actually that kind of framework for the masses, uh, looking at evaluating content, like if I had to rebuild like um, a dig in a modern day, it would probably be a lot more Slack-esque. Um, and that you'd have groups of people coming together to evaluate and rank content uh, in a more of a kind of real-time fashion than what is happening, which is kind of a... You've thought about this. <laughs> I mean, I've, 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 I've thought about it a little bit, but that's uh, so that's interesting. I think uh, right. Wealthfront is is also pretty awesome. I think they've finally taken finance and like applied, like just used um, computers and math to do it better and cheaper. Interesting. And, They've, uh, they're going to eventually displace uh, Vanguard and some of the other old school okay. uh, companies out there. I, I use Vanguard, so that's, I, use Vanguard. I like that. <laughs> Vanguard's so ugly and old. I don't know why. You guys are, this is a design podcast. You use Vanguard? It's like the worst website ever. You have to look at it once every month, <laughs> that's true, maybe. That's true. <laughs> anyway, Wellfront, I think, is doing some really cool stuff there, um, especially with their uh, tax lost, uh, loss harvesting and all of that. Anyway, it's pretty awesome. Um, let me see what else. Periscope and all those things, I think, are just. Uh, yeah. I'm. I've never been a fan. <laughs> you don't like the live streaming. Stuff. I think that everyone was rushing to invest in Meerkat, and I was like, I just didn't have any interest. And I yeah. think the reason was that um, not that I don't think that uh, it was a smart idea. I think it was a fun product to launch. I just think that knowing consumers and how frightened the typical person gets when they're on video. And how un, un, they kind of get, um, you know, a little bit scared and uh, they're they not sure weird. what to say. And what's that? They act weird. They act weird. Yeah. And so it, it just felt like one of those things that would blow up and then just kind of like go away. And, and I'm sure it'll have its time and place. Like there'll be certain mm-hmm. live streams that, you know, whether there's uh, a major event that needs to be televised, like riots or whatever is going on at the moment. Even that boxing match the other night apparently was like huge. They just had tons of periscopes of it. And yeah. people were worried that Dick Costello tweeting about the winner being periscope would get him sued. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. See, that's, <laughs> I think that's, uh, that, that makes sense for those types of events and things like yeah. that. But as far as an average person doing it, um, I wasn't that excited about it. Uh, what else? Um, I think Square Square Cash is really clever. I really like the redesign there. I think it's it feels a lot more like an app before it felt like just like a, a web page. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to it. Yes, I love Square Cash. I love that we've been talking about things that feel like apps versus just a normal website quite a lot. And like Facebook mm-hmm. Messenger is the the one that comes to mind for me. Is like this feels like an app that just happens to live in the browser. It's not like a website trying to act like. I put it in a wrapper. Did it's, you put it's in just a wrapper? An app for me, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need that. 
Yeah. Uh, I can't stand it. Rasmus from um, Dropbox, I think, built it. It's really good. Cool. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With someone else's product that yep. they built. <laughs> yeah. Really I, uh, I, I love stuff like that. I think that, um, th- that that need to be on desktop. There was never anything on desktop, and that's why I couldn't make the move to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the only thing right. was iMessage, and so... It's not perfect yet, but it's got, like, an icon by Sebastian DeWitt, so it's, like, a really nice icon, and it's got, like... Uh, I think Josh Puckett helped do all the UI stuff who's killing it over at Dropbox, so it's pretty cool to see. What is it... So you say killing it at Dropbox, like what do, What am I missing? Where's the design at Dropbox? I haven't seen anything. So things like the mailbox for desktop kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay, mailbox. And, okay. Uh, that, You're new Microsoft integration stuff. Well, I mean, mailbox is Dropbox now, right? It's No, I, I know, but I'm just I like, when I go to dropbox.com, I'm always like, this site, I just don't get, it's not Have you gone to the Dropbox beautiful. for Business site where they have like all no. the guides and stuff and no. it's like super well animated and explained just visually? It's so good. Do you okay. use Dropbox? I do use Dropbox, yeah. I got scared though when they had that hack where anyone could log in with just a blank password. Yeah, that's weird. This was like two years ago. And I just like, when that happens, like Google does not make those mistakes. Like it just, I don't know. I just feel like. Have you seen Dropbox Harmony or badges or whatever it is where you can use Office and like have multiple people in it just like Google Docs? No? No. I and now they're that. working on like, a, so they bought Hackpad, right? And uh, now they're building their own like version of it, which is just going to be real time document. It's, it's just called Dropbox Notes. What do you think happens to Evernote? I dropped off Evernote because it worked badly. Evernote just feels so bloated to me. Yeah. It's just it, like anytime I, I, I used it way back in the day and I have a lot of documents and stuff there because it was great. Mm-hmm. You know, it would search things and it was awesome. But now I'm just like, anytime I launch, I'm just like, oh man, it's so heavy. The thing for me is like some of the reasons I would use it felt so heavy handed, like the browser extension where you might want to collect screenshots of stuff. The flow to do that was like three or four steps. Right. Evernote when clipping or whatever. Instead, I could just use, well, I use cloud app, but you could use Dropbox and just say like, anytime I take a screenshot, just put it in a screenshots folder in Dropbox. Mm-hmm. There's not like That's a what flow I do. to it. It's just a one step. Yeah. Set it once and it's done. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't use Evernote either. Yeah. I don't know. Dro- Dropbox is like... Slack just bought a similar thing called Spaces. And that was maybe, I don't know, six, eight months ago. Hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with that because if I can do like actual documents in Slack, that will be the best day of my life. Yeah. If I just never have to leave Slack. <laughs> yeah. Stay in Slack all the time. Which, did you guys see that piece? Um, Meta Labs, I think, did a yeah. piece on how <laughs> Slack is the best because they designed it. Like that they were to blame for the success. That blew my mind. Yeah. And it started a big war or not a war. People were getting pissed because the design firm that designed Slack was like, yeah, basically, we made it good. we're the reason they're worth $2.8 billion. Wow. Everyone's like, really? Funny. Are you? <laughs> they did a blog post about it. Yeah, I guess one of their, the founder. One of their design, what was the founder? Wilkinson. Yeah, it's funny. So you're not you're not into what Dropbox is doing. No, I I actually am glad to hear that a lot of this stuff is kind of coming to fruition. Like I heard about a lot of all these acquisitions and things like that, but I hadn't seen any of the products yet. Yeah, and so um, it's good. I, I hadn't seen any of the business stuff either. So it'll be curious to see kind of where they take it. I, I, I love, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard for me cause I get so much free storage on the Google side. It's like, they just give it away now. <laughs> Dude, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's just like terabytes and terabytes yeah. of storage. I'm yeah. just like, what am I, I don't know which ones to keep where. And I do actually enjoy Google docs. Like I think it's, it's yeah. a great product for what it is. I always use their spreadsheets. I've been tracking so much stuff in the spreadsheets. I, I track every single, Blood fat. Uh, I've, I've tracked every single drink I've had this year. 
Okay. What? Every single day. Alcoholic drink? Mm-hmm. Every single alcoholic drink. What about caffeine? Uh, caffeine, I don't track. Okay. I've tracked every single time I've gone to the gym, every, all of my steps, and this all pipes into into uh, Google Docs. Okay. Um, I have a little script set up so that it um, it colors the cells depending on what I consider a good day, bad day, or somewhere in between. Um, and then I tally it up at the end of the month and see where I am. And my friends have other tabs as well, and so I get them all on it, and then we compare at the end of the month like how many drinks we've had. And I also track all my glucose levels and my ketone levels at least a couple times a day. Um, so it's just kind of it's nerdy stuff, but it's cool. So it's you're very, very like cool. quantified self kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. What exactly. do you think about things like vessel? Uh, the cup. Yeah. I think it's it sounds like <laughs> it, if it works, it'd be awesome. Yeah. I just, I don't know if it'll ever really work. So have you heard of gyroscope? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard have you it. tried it? You mean the kind of pulls all together? The, yeah. All yeah the it sounds stuff? like yeah. it'd be right up your alley. Yeah. It's really cool. I met with the founder of that maybe a year ago and I, um, I'm really cool guy. To see. It's yeah. Really cool guy. Great designer. I mean, yes. Oh my God. Really I don't know beautiful. how he does it. It's magic. <laughs> it's amazing. Have well, you, his roommate was on. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll get him. What yeah. he says, isn't he still your? Uh, what is it? My Soylent dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Are <laughs> you describing a Soylent dealer? And I uh, my mind. I'm doing like two a day. Do you need some 1.3? I'm on 1.4. Oh, you are. Some people want the 1.3. I have a case of it in my uh, house. I actually just ran out of 1.3 last time, so I haven't tried 1.4 yet. Okay, we'll see what happens. You Wait, could why? call Kevin Wait, Rose your Soylent dealer, dude. 1.4? Yeah. Oh, uh, nothing. Nothing. They fine. just missed the oil? <laughs> it's, fine. it's fine. Are you on soil? You're going to die. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I, was, I bought all of them because I was just like looking at all the different ingredients and I was curious and I don't like the fact that, I don't know, my wife, she's, she's, she talks me out of all this stuff. She knows so. what's up, man. She does As far know as food up. goes. I mean, the thing Especially. is she got her neuroscience or she got her PhD in neuroscience and she's like super into all things nutrition and health and the there's the fact and it, as it has always been is we know very little about this stuff and so most likely what's going to happen is that you are going to be missing something that they just don't know about, right? So you'll get all the things that they think are they know is good for you, but you'll probably miss a few things. And some of those things that they miss, like, you know, might prevent you from getting prostate cancer or a whole lot of other things <laughs> that might happen. So it's scary. Yeah. It's just like, you know, if it's a fun little hack to like lose a few pounds for a couple of weeks, I don't think anyone's going to like care. But if don't base your entire life on powder. See, I'm not using it as like a weight loss thing at all. Okay. Mine's like... I can see myself growing out of it because I just don't, this sounds really bad, but like I don't care about cooking or anything and I'm sure I'll grow into that. Yeah. But like right now it's like. Caleb needs to use Soylent for sure. (laughs) Dude, you never, he'll come to the office and be like, I didn't eat anything the last two days. And I'm like, how? (laughs) It's not. But he's had like 30 cups of blue bottle. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I'm just like, are you still coding? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, all right then. Well, you're fine. Um, (laughs) Sweet, don't care anymore. (laughs) It's just like. That sweet ID Well, yeah, that's my thing. So I I wake up, I have a, a glass in like one minute, wash out the glass, take a shower and I'm out the door in like 12 minutes. No, I mean, if it's I like, really wanted to do that, if I, I get so it, easy. I get it. I think that if you're just like, Hey, this is because I normally miss breakfast and I just need something then like have fun. But see, I, I just know. don't like breakfast. I'm the opposite. Like, I just don't want that. That's I'll, fine. I'll drink like six cups of coffee and then have lunch. You know, it's <laughs> the most important meal of your day, Bryn. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Me not doing that for the last six years. You know what? They actually, they, they might be going back on the most important meal of your day being that thing. Oh, really? I 
They, they've been talking. Well, I feel been like I just about, heard that in some marketing. Well, well I know it is the thing that yeah. they've talked about for a long time. But they're they're saying how intermittent fasting is like actually really help longevity, and you consume less, you're burning less. There's less toxin that go in you. Apparently, you know about these worms that they. You know about caloric restriction at all? No. Okay. Not at all. Okay. Anyway, there's this. <laughs> You've been whole, hanging out with Tim a lot. I have. <laughs> no, but there's this like there's this there's multiple studies now that when you reduce the amount of calories that a, something eats, like whether it's a rat or a worm or whatever, they just live longer because they're eating less. And the the theory is that less in means less processing, less chance for things to go awry, like less less like you know there's. Like, let's say you're having bacon every single morning for breakfast, but you all of a sudden stop having that and you normally like it crispy and you know there's a lot of carcinogens in crispy bacon. So it's like, if you stop having that and you eat less, then your body's not processing that because it's not processing that you'll live a longer life. So you I, see was what I'm just, saying? I was just yeah, reading something about a man who drank pig spit. Like he would extract pig Shut spit from up. their salivary glands to prove a point about <laughs> the fact that like certain certain parts of meat can cause you to develop a disease because your body will attack attack it with antibodies so he just drank pig spit to prove it without having any meat it was such a weird that's disgusting yeah some well, kind of acid the guy, there's a guy who ate like a all oreo diet and he lost weight because it's just a calorie function but that's like a different right discussion. i just don't eat sugar generally. that's good i all that comes from beer. <laughs> no, I think if, if there's any one thing that we've seen in the last five years that, that my wife has told me about that actually science backs up in, in a lot of different areas is that sugar is the enemy. That's yeah. like the one major thing. So that's sort of what is exciting to me about something like Soylent. Like whether they have the formula perfect or not, is they're at least trying to think about these things. Yeah, but the like, main ingredient is maltodextrin now, right? Isn't that the number one ingredient? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, keep going. But you're saying they're trying to like dial it the in. The point is, they're like, I, they're very much a startup, right? And like trying to just think of these problems that you're talking about now, like even just understanding what it is that goes into our body and like what impact that might have, and nobody knows, right? But at least I don't know. It's encouraging to see someone, maybe just because it feels nice from the tech side, like really break it apart and like try and understand. Yeah, it. I agree. I kind of like, I, I was attracted to it too. I looked online. I like, I ordered a box. I wanted to see what it was all about. I love the fact that there's release notes with it. Yeah. There's that's amazing. Cool about that. <laughs> nerdy little, yeah, like, it's a nerdy joy. little thing that I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And like when you get an upgrade, like 1.4.1, you're like, Ooh, I'm, I'm, I might be getting better now. Level like, up. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm leveled up, you know, but I want to create a open source religion all because I had this idea of I want to make a religion that was all you could fork the religion so you have like core, <laughs> you would have like core values and then like Jesus, people could dude. subscribe to different core values and then you could fork those core values so and Protestantism <laughs> yeah it's it's like anyway yeah. this is like another one of the thirty ideas I'm not building I don't think I could get my venture funding would be happy if I built an open source <laughs> did you see going clear was it going clear that HBO documentary no. about Scientology. No. Oh, I heard about this. I gotta it's write so this down. amazing. You gotta check it out. I'm gonna watch oh, wait, this tonight. Yeah, oh crap! I gotta get going. My wife's gonna kill me. That's fair. Totally fair. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Let me write this down. Going clear. Okay. Before you go, any last things you want to plug before you? Uh, I'm gonna launch a new website soon. It's gonna be at kevinrose.com. I want to put all my videos and everything in one place. Foundation stuff. That's the a lot of things. Show, all that stuff. Um. So that's gonna be fun. Uh. But nothing else really to plug. Um. Just having fun. You're at Kevin Rose on Twitter. At Kevin Rose on Twitter. You have uh, enough followers. People don't need to go follow you. Slash Kevin Rose. I need more followers, man. Come on. <laughs> Give me those followers. I know. Like <laughs> slash Kevin Rose on uh, Facebook. And I'm on Snapchat too. 
Boom. Wait, 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 are you, wait. Are you guys on Snapchat? I'm not on Snapchat. Snapchat? I actually have You're one, but on I don't Snapchat? use it. I don't like Snapchat. Bryn's also not on Instagram, if that tells you anything. What? <laughs> How yeah. are you even doing a podcast? About design. I mean, I don't need Instagram technology. for that. <laughs> You're not on Instagram at all? I mean, I have an account and I have like four photos on it from like three or four years ago. Wait, what do you snap about? Uh, just random stuff. Mostly when I did you ever see his tiny? I mean, he'll he'll photograph anything. <laughs> tiny was fun. I actually only followed Mark on tiny. I just thought his were hilarious. <laughs> mine, mine were a lot of like showering and shaving. I saw a lot of your like, dog and coffee. A lot of my dogs and coffee. If tiny was so much fun for like forty eight hours, and then we were all just kind of like, eh. I strongly but, debated getting a stuffed raccoon and just having you throw it on the periscope. That's actually going to be one of. Uh, I can't talk about now, but it's going to be one of the things that you'll be able to potentially have us do at Dignation. (laughs) We've got got a bunch of little things that we're going to do. That's hilarious. I might, I think I'm going to come out to the crowd and just start throwing raccoons like all into the crowd. That's amazing. I think we're going to have like 50 of them. They're all going to have Dignation like embroidered on the, like the raccoon's chest and like throwing those out. Now I have to go to that. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me guys. Thanks again. That was episode 24 with the one and only Kevin Rose. We hope you enjoyed it. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at Design Details FM. We would love your feedback, thoughts, suggestions. If you're enjoying the show, if this was your first time listening, you can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, in the iTunes store. Just search for Design Details. It'll automatically download new episodes to your to your feed. You can subscribe wherever you want. iTunes, however, pushes us up the charts. It makes a big difference in how people find us. If you rate us, review us, subscribe on itunes it pushes up our popularity meter it pushes us right up to the top we're still trying to beat that jerk leo laporte so we stole a secret weapon kevin rose for this episode we should be able to handle it mr dark tips himself right here and of course this episode is possible thanks to the support of icon finder they are the ultimate resource for designers and developers to get icons for the projects that you're working on if you have any need for any kind of icon you want to explore different styles you need to represent something in your interface uh just search on icon finder you can search for anything they're going to come back with a ton of results it'll work for mobile and web and print and whatever you possibly need to work on it's beautiful and you can sign up for icon finder pro today it's an amazing monthly subscription service use the promo code robot tells them we sent you and you're going to save 50 percent off your first month so thank you so much to Icon Finder for supporting design details. Our other sponsor is once again Code School. They're working on this great course. They just released it, Unmasking HTML Emails. It's such a hard problem. It's just not something that's fun to grapple with, and they're making it a lot easier. Really appreciate that they're actually making that effort. They've also got HTML, CSS, JavaScript, Ruby, Git, iOS, and a bunch of elective courses like TryR and Chrome DevTools. Really helpful stuff. We really appreciate them sponsoring the show. Thanks again to Code School. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Wednesday with Danny Trin and Chris Kalani.